What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another Baseball America Prospects podcast. I'm Carlos Colazzo along with Kyle Glazer here. We are getting ready to talk about the Rockies system, another exciting system in our series of uh, farm system breakdowns, if you will, on these uh, podcasts. Excited to be back with Kyle hosting uh, and Kyle giving you all the analysis of this this system. Uh, but I guess first and foremost, Kyle, what are your just overall thoughts on the Rockies system? Not one of the top systems in the game by any means, but definitely some interesting players. Uh, just what are your thoughts on, on, on the system as a whole? Well, you mentioned not one of the top systems in the game. They were last year, and the reason they're not anymore is they graduated the guys. Yeah. Four guys, uh, German or German Marquez, Jeff Hoffman, Kyle Freeland, Antonio Sensatella. Uh, Sensatella, Freeman, and uh, Freeland and Marquez in particular helped get them to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to have a system that falls from top 10 to well outside of it, it's you want it to be because of how it happened to the Rockies. They graduated their guys, got them to the post-playoffs, or the one-game wild card at least. So I think the Rockies have to be very, very happy mm-hmm. with how their farm system has uh, has gone for them. Even before that, you had guys like David Dahl. We saw Rymel Tapia graduate, uh, Trevor Story a few years ago, so, or it was only really 2016. There's a lot of guys that have come through this system and become successful mm-hmm. big leaguers. And even though the system, just because of those graduations, yeah. is not as deep as it used to be, there's still a group of guys here you say, yeah, you know, these are guys who project as quality big leaguers who mm-hmm. other organizations like and target. And I don't think by any means, you know, you look at like the Cubs, for example, who graduate a lot of guys and trade away a lot of guys, and now they're number 30. Mm-hmm. The Mets, who had Conforto and Syndergaard and, and Michael Former, who they traded, all these guys. Mm-hmm. And now they're number 28-ish or whatever. You know, other teams have graduated a lot of talent and fallen a lot farther than the Rockies have. So I think all things considered, the Rockies are in a, a pretty good Very place. Very solid spot for the amount of guys. I think they graduated four starting pitchers, which is really impressive. And then you look at them as a whole, it looks like a strong group from an infielder standpoint. Maybe not so much from the outfitter standpoint. But when you talk about that strength in the infield, the obvious guy to talk about is Brendan Rodgers. The number one prospect... He's got above-average tools across the board, really, except for his speed. 
what is it about Brendan Rodgers that makes him the number one prospect in this system? And, and was it an easy decision to go with him? Because from an outside uh, perspective looking in, I would say that, that that seems to make the most sense. Yeah, so Tracy Ringlesby put together the Rockies' top 10, and it, Brendan Rodgers is one of the best prospects in baseball, mm-hmm. top 20 prospect. And what makes him so special, they talk about the greats make it look easy. Brendan Rodgers makes hitting look easy insanely easy doesn't matter what you throw him 100 mile an hour fastball knee buckling curveball in the outer half slider uh bust him inside Mm -hmm. and he just makes it look easy barrel to the ball quick hands stays on balanced uh very rhythmic good timing Mm -hmm. gets you know great feel for the barrel this was a guy that even when i went out and saw him a couple games uh last year in the california league uh, he hit 400 in the first (laughs) half and then uh, got promoted up to double A, had to come back at the end of the year to make up mm-hmm. some lost time for injury and fell below the 400 mark. But uh, the only other guy who's hit 400 in the Cal League with as many at-bats as he had was Jose Altuve. It's pretty good company. <laughs> pretty good company. I mean, this is a guy who is a truly elite hitter, mm-hmm. uh, one of the best in the minor leagues. He struggled a little bit when he went to double A. I think yeah, for big... those who are listening, uh, Brendan Rodgers at 387, 407, 671 in Lancaster this year in 51 games then. Uh, a 263-23-413 line in double-A when he moved up to Hartford. So. so, And that's where he's going to have to make some adjustments. He's still very young. He's only a 2015 draft pick. Mm-hmm. He's 20 years old. I think with him, there's a wide-ranging projection of, you know, uh, to use scouting parlance, plus hitter, above average, maybe even plus power mm-hmm. as he continues to get stronger. He didn't walk a lot, and that raised a lot of concern for mm-hmm. people. 12 walks. But... Part of the consideration with that was everyone, when I asked people, okay, why was that? It was because he's such a good hitter that he didn't miss his mm-hmm. pitch. And very often, at high A, you're going to get a pitch, you know, that pitch number three, pitch number four. You're going to get a fastball that gets too much to the plate. Yeah. You'll just barrel it and crush it. So a lot of evaluators weren't as worried yeah. with that as maybe they yeah, are for some other players. On-base percentage over 400 with, uh, I believe it was six walks, and like you just said, in, in high A. 387 average, I mean, he's hitting everything. So it's not like he struggled to get on base because of that. But it will be interesting to see how he kind of develops and, and uh, adjusts to the pitching as he moves up the ladder. I guess he got a little taste of that in double A, which brings me to my next question. Are there any concerns with the the step back that he took in double A, or is it too sh- too small of a sample, too early to really get a good, good uh, I guess, to figure out what he's going to do at that level? No one was really concerned mm-hmm. about him in terms of what he's going to develop into as a hitter. I think in the field is where the questions yep. are. Uh, you mentioned that below average speed. A lot of evaluators feel like his foot speed just isn't quite sufficient enough mm-hmm. to play shortstop. That was, I heard that more from the guys that saw him in Hartford than in Lancaster. Mm-hmm. The guys who saw him in Lancaster saw a guy they talked about could play shortstop in the mold of a Trevor Story or a Corey Seager who isn't the quickest foot speed twitchy guy, mm-hmm. but he positions himself well. He's got a plus arm, really advanced instincts, makes plays to his left and his right. So you say, yeah. This guy can do it. However, that was only the guys in Lancaster. Once it got to Hartford, the mm-hmm. ball was getting on him a little quicker. Yep. Uh, there was a sense from a lot of evaluators that you saw him there that he was not a future shortstop. I got to talk to some individuals within the Rockies organization, and even one or two of them kind of told me, you know, I don't want to attribute their names or anything, but they told me they envision Brendan Rodgers as their second baseman mm-hmm. of the future. That is how they see him. He'll continue playing shortstop. He can play it. He's probably going to move to second, which he'll have more than enough bat for. Yeah, for sure. And I guess with a guy like him, it's kind of weird to see a guy with a, a plus arm playing second base. But 
I guess that's just another advantage you have when Brendan Rodgers is playing second and you got a guy like Nolan Arenado who's your third baseman. So And, and Trevor Story, some of it is going to be if Trevor mm-hmm. Story, you know, really we saw have a huge rookie year. Last year at one point was striking out 40% of the time, got better in the second half. Some of it's going to be what Trevor Story does because if he goes back to punching out 40% of the time, mm-hmm then there might be an adjustment there. But I think for now, if you're a Rockies fan, expect to see Brendan yep. Rodgers manning second base and being a really, really good player independent of position because of what he can do for you with the bat. For sure. And then after Rodgers, uh, for me, I know we like to talk about tiers and where the tiers of prospects are in these systems, and I know you do too as well when we've talked previously. Uh, Rodgers seems to be in a clear tier one of his own in this system. Correct Absolutely. me if I'm wrong on this, but uh, no, where would you say the next tier is? you got guys like Ryan McMahon, uh, Riley Pint, who's been an extremely exciting arm since he's been drafted, but maybe hasn't produced as much as you want. What would you say that next little grouping is? So that as is we go the next tier. Pint, Pint, McMahon, 2-3. Those mm-hmm. were the real considerations uh, for who would be number two and three in the yeah. system. I actually want to start with Pint. I mean, this is yeah, a guy... He does seem to be like the guy that's just fun to talk about if he is... Uh, so I, a little I, annoying at times just because you see the stuff. But So, first of all, the evaluators who saw him, I was actually a little bit surprised how many evaluators said they still believe in him. Because mm-hmm. let's just get out there. 2-11, 5.42 ERA, 79 strikeouts, and 59 walks mm-hmm. in 93 innings. 26 <laughs> wild pitches. 26 eight-hit batters. So 59 walks, eight-hit batters, 26 wild pitches, struck out well under a battered inning for mm-hmm. a guy with premium stuff. All the red flags are there, mm-hmm. stuff that doesn't translate. It didn't really, you know, they tried to give him extra off days. They tried to pull him back a little bit, and it just, none of it really seemed to work. That all being said, the evaluators who saw him in Asheville still said, I still saw enough that you have to really, really project. He's super, super, super raw, mm-hmm. even by the standards of a high school pitcher. Yeah. He's very raw to the point he probably needs to go back to Asheville this year. I heard that from a couple people in the Rockies organization. He'll have to repeat low mm-hmm. A because he's not ready for high A. Yeah, the numbers would suggest that's the case. <laughs> but you still see a fastball that can you know, get up to 101 and work in the high 90s. They saw a slider that they could project could eventually become above average. A curveball they saw was usable. A changeup that might have a chance. So you still saw four pitches. And the other thing that came out was the delivery was repeatable, which was strange. It just it wasn't an issue mm-hmm. of all these you know walks and wild pitches and hit batters. Mm-hmm. His delivery wasn't all over the place. It's not like he's lacking the athleticism. Yeah. It seemed to be more mental. And there was a sense, you know, evaluators generally believe you can fix the mental more than the physical. That's not always the case. And, and I think that's what it's going to be with Riley Pine is mm-hmm. can he make the mental adjustments? Because the stuff is there, delivery is there, but when it gets to getting on the mound and competing and throwing strikes – look, just straight up, he's fallen short. Mm-hmm. And that's where he needs to get better, and he's going to have a chance this year. And from your perspective, from what you know, Pine, is it a matter of locating the fastball? Is it the secondary offerings, or is it it's kind everything. of across the board? Across the board. Yeah. You'll see him bounce a fastball, then you'll see him yank one, you know, five feet outside the mm-hmm. left, uh, left-handed batter's box. Uh, then you'll see him, you know, bounce a curveball. There's a lot of, lot of issues there. Uh, the, the command on the breaking ball has been raised in particular, but it's not like he throws the fastball that much for exactly. consistent strikes okay. either. Cool. And then we go back up from number three to number two with Riley McMahon. Uh, he's a guy who moved from, or Ryan McMahon, excuse me. 
He moved from uh, third base to first base this year and is one of the top first base prospects in baseball really at this point, uh, even though the position maybe not be might not be that strong overall. But what do you see in Ryan McMahon? Well, this was a big bounce back year for him. I think it was interesting talking to a couple of evaluators. They felt like last year one of the issues with him was he wasn't he was kind of late on the fastball and not on the off speed stuff he's kind of getting caught in between mm-hmm. a lot and they said they saw a big approach adjustment this year where he said screw it i'm just going to hit the fastball mm-hmm. and he was on it and it was a big strong guy good body it's a pretty swing just sit fastball and crush it mm-hmm. and i think once he simplified his approach you saw the strikeouts go down you saw the amount of contact go up you saw the amount of hard contact mm-hmm. go up so even though he did benefit from hitting an albuquerque he still you saw massive improvements what he did at Hartford year over mm-hmm. year uh, in terms of positionally they've tried him at second base not a lot of evaluators think he'll fit there mm-hmm. if he goes to first base sounds too big to play that position right if he goes to first base he's not going to be your you know 35 home run first baseman mm-hmm. but there was a sense that with his ability to hit fastball that sit on the fastball and hit it and you know curveballs don't break as much in Coors Field mm-hmm. that he'll be able to put up some big numbers there and and ultimately parlay that into yep. an everyday job with the Rockies as their first baseman moving forward, perhaps as soon as this year. Yep, and he hit well uh, this year in AA and AAA, so it wasn't just a case of the PCL uh, helping him out there. He had six home runs in AA and then 14 in AAA. Got a little cup of coffee in the big leagues where he struggled, but it was only 17 games for him, so exciting guy to watch moving forward. I think the important thing in the big leagues, five walks to five strikeouts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because that was always the thing see. with him was, okay, a lot of strikeouts early. In part, again, because we talked about he just wasn't able to kind of figure out what he wanted to hit. He mm-hmm. was caught between a lot. Once he decided fastball, it's been fine. Yeah, really, if you look at his strikeout numbers from the last few years, in 2014, he struck out 143 times. Next year, 153, 161. And then you look at 2017, between double A AA and triple A with 119 games, that's down to 92. So you see the adjustment there against higher levels of competition in the minor leagues. That's good to see. Absolutely. I will say most evaluators think he really is limited to first base mm-hmm. only. Third base, uh, the words of one scout were no way. Just <laughs> not. Uh, an issue's been with the reflexes mm-hmm. a little bit. Second base, the actions don't quite work. He's a bigger guy. But we saw him in the Futures game make that catch over the railing. He's an athletic kid. And ultimately, with his size and athleticism, as he gets more reps at first base, mm-hmm. there is an expectation he can he can become solid average to above there. Okay, very cool. And then kind of moving through the top 10, which is already published uh, on the website, if you want to go see that for full scouting reports, subscribe to BA. Um, but 4 through 10, we've got Colton Welker down to Tyler Nevin. Who really excites you in this group? you got a couple corner infielders, uh, a couple middle infielders, and then a, a trio of right-handed pitchers after Riley Pint. Yeah, so I think Welker is the clear number four. Mm-hmm. There wasn't much debate there. That Lambert Castellani Almonte right handed pitcher group, that was kind of different evaluators felt differently. Mm-hmm. They said all the same tier, you kind of intermingle them. Yeah. Lambert's the guy who I think is most exciting. This is a guy who went and pitched in Lancaster and was amazing. Uh, this is a kid who's 20 years old. He's 90, you know, he's 90, 94, but he's got room to keep growing. Mm-hmm. You saw a curveball that a lot of evaluators put, you know, scouting parlance at 60 grades on and on his best 70s. Wow. A changeup that was advanced for a high schooler. Got a lot of future 55 to 60s on it. So if he can just tick, grow a little bit more, he's still a slimmer, sl- more slender guy. Mm-hmm. There's room for an extra 20 pounds on there. If all of a sudden that fastball goes from 90, 94 to... 92, 96, 93, 95, touch of seven. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, you've got three plus pitches, command, 
two breaking balls. I think for him, even if it doesn't come, there's still enough there you can say, I think we can stick this guy at the back of a rotation. He's really good, and he's ice in his veins. He's got all the all the intangibles you want to see. Uh, someone told me, you know, pick pick winners with a good arm. That's Peter Lambert. Mm-hmm. For sure. You see his line, if you're curious, he went 9-8 and eight this year in Lancaster with a 4.17 ERA. Which, just for context. 131 strikeouts, 30 walks. And just for context, a 4.17 ERA pitching half your home games mm-hmm. in Lancaster, that's basically like a sub-3. Yeah. I mean, it's, you it's know, maybe, maybe a 3-0. Everything you want to see, and he, and he held up too. Very durable, pitched uh, over 130 innings, I believe, and then pitched more in the postseason as well. Yeah, for sure. Take us through the next two uh, pitchers on this list. I'm trying to pull up our yeah, your so, league so average yet, so ERA. Yensei Almonte is the guy that a lot of people feel like has the best stuff of this of this trio. He's the mm-hmm. guy that can get up to you know 97, 98. Uh, he's got a, a slider that's been really, really good at times. A changeup that has shown well at others. The thing is. He doesn't. He, he really has all the reliever traits in terms mm-hmm. of just his body, his arm action, his delivery. Um, he got lit up a little bit in the Arizona Fall League. Best raw power of the trio, but in terms of pitchability, there's not a sense that maybe he has the command as well as the diversity in his arsenal to roll over a lineup mm-hmm. multiple times. But, you know, I, I think you could argue that of maybe the Lambert Castellani. Almonte group, Almonte might be the safest. A, he's the most advanced, mm-hmm. he's triple A. Um, but he also, if nothing else, I, I actually think he has a very good chance to, you know, the Rockies just spent a whole boatload of money on a bunch of relievers. So, I, you know, Brian Shaw and, and uh, Wade Davis. Mm-hmm. But if you were to tell me Yancey Almonte is pitching some sixth innings for them and maybe if he's down the road gets a shot to close, yeah. I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah, and real quick, uh, the California League this year, Average ERA for the league was 4.36, so Peter Lambert's uh, 4.17 does look pretty good when you take the whole league into account. And especially for Lancaster, because some of those guys mm-hmm. were pitching most of their games in San Jose, Modesto, yep. even you know Inland Empire. He's He was really good. Um, and Castellani, you know, he's the guy, number one prospect in the Cal League last year. Got off to a tough start this year, was much better in the second half. The biggest thing with him is he's a sinker baller. He wasn't keeping the ball down mm-hmm. early on. He doesn't have the blow-you-away blow, blow you away stuff yeah. where if he's not keeping it down. And it hurt him. Second half, made some mechanical adjustments, did a better job keeping the ball down, saw a lot more success. Again, it's not a guy that you're ever going to put at the front of your rotation, but mm-hmm. could he end up in the middle to back? Uh, he's a workhorse, led the Eastern League in innings pitched a year after leading the Cal League in innings pitched. So I, I do think that he's got a bright future ahead of him. I truthfully wouldn't be surprised if the Rockies elected to use Lambert and or Castellani as a trade piece at some point. Mm-hmm. Two promising pitchers who, you know, are young. They're, they've done everything that's been asked of them in tough environments in a lot of cases. And uh, there, there's promise there. Not number one upside, but or number two upside, but really good right-handed mm-hmm. starters. Okay. Really interesting group right there. And then you get into the Garrett Hampson, Ryan Valade, Tyler Nevin uh, group. You want to touch on those guys before we dive yeah. deeper into the so, system? So this is where it kind of falls off a little bit, but the Rockies don't yep. have the depth they've had. Uh, Garrett Hampson, for the record, I, I think is a, is a fantastic little guy. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. You know, short college shortstop gets the, you know, who gets the scrappy scrapper label thrown on mm-hmm. him? That actually does him a disservice. This is a guy who's a, a 70 grade runner. And cr- he's a really good athlete. He's smaller, mm-hmm. so people are going to say, "Oh, small, you know, middle infielder." They're going to start throwing things like David Eckstein on a guy. That's not who Garrett Hampson is. Mm-hmm. Garrett Hampson is 
you know, incredibly fast, ridiculous reflexes, really good body control. He's actually an excellent, excellent athlete mm-hmm. who just because he's smaller, you know, people seem to just throw the scrapper label yeah, on him, but that's not the do. right label for him. Um, he's a second baseman long term in terms of he, he can play shortstop with the glove. He doesn't quite have the arm for it, on particularly if he has to go deep into the mm-hmm. hole. But guy who makes a lot of contact, has a little more pop than you think. It's not like he gets a mistake pitch and lines it for a single hole, mm-hmm. drive it into the gap. Again, really, really good second baseman. Hands, arm, instincts, reflexes. Again, the athleticism mm-hmm. to play the middle infield, he has it in spades. Most people think he'll be a future utility guy. Would not shock me if he ends up outdoing that projection. But, you know, pro- you know, really good big leader. But still, at the end of the day, mm-hmm. probably a utility guy. Yep. Then you get into Ryan Valade, who is uh, number nine on this list, drafted in the second round out of uh, Oklahoma High School, and really hit well in his debut. He was drafted as an offensive player uh, and hit 308, 438, 496 in his uh, first taste of professional ball in the rookie league. Uh, not sure if he's going to stick at shortstop long term, but for now, that's where he's at. What do you think on Valade? That's that's the consensus. Going to hit, going to have to move to third base, and that's okay for them. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a few years off. Uh, he's son of a son of a coach. So there's a lot of those baseball instincts in yep. there. Uh, you take instincts, talent, youth, all the things you want to yeah, see. Yeah, his father James was an assistant coach at uh, Oklahoma State. And and speaking of bloodlines, you mentioned getting to Tyler Nevin, mm-hmm. Phil Nevin's son. You know, it's interesting. His dad, uh, I remember watching him growing up in San Diego. His dad, uh, his favorite thing to do was uh, home runs right center field. He loved that opposite <laughs> opposite, opposite way of power. And it kind of hurt him once he moved into Petco Park. Yeah. And all of a sudden that gap was 411 feet out <laughs> before they moved it back in. Uh, and that's what Tyler Nevin does. A lot of power in that opposite way and a lot of scouts like that. Um, overall, though, there isn't a ton of love for him. Most see him as kind of a, a corner platoon bat. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a lot of faith that he'll stick at third base from evaluators so kind of a first base only type of guy you know has some back control works that opposite field gap which are always good things to see um but again there was a sense that he's not you know he's, he's not a great prospect uh you know if you look at his splits, he has the same number of homers, uh, four and four against lefties and righties, but had significantly more plate appearances against the righties, and, and the slugging drops off significantly against the right-handed pitchers. So it looks like he's going to be on the the weak side of the platoon. If right. He is. I mean, to quote a scout, there's power there. Eventually, he'll hit left-handed pitching. Mm-hmm. Likes go the other way. I wasn't in love with the guy. Doesn't have the feet, athleticism, or agility to play third. Okay. Which, you know, but again. You know, if you can hit, there's some power there. There's bloodlines. He's still young. Health has been an issue. Uh, mm-hmm. He has had a bad hamstring strain in 2016, missed time with hand and wrist issues this year. But when he came in the second half and got in the groove of playing every day, he performed. And, you know, there's definitely a bat there, and bats carry guys to the big leagues more often than mm-hmm. not. All right, cool. We got the top 10 basically covered there. Appreciate you taking us through that. Are there any guys in that 11 to 30 range that really stick out to you as as guys who can either take a jump or guys who have some some exciting tools so uh, that, that fans can check out? Brian Mundell is the guy everyone's going to overlook until he gets to the majors. Mm-hmm. This is a guy who has hit ever he's been. Now he's right-handed hitting college first baseman. We all know that no one likes that, mm-hmm. you know, that genre of player. But went to Asheville, set the South Atlantic League record for doubles in a year. Went to Lancaster and raked like he should have. The real test was going to be when he went to double A. Mm-hmm. Guess what? He went up. He raked. It's a guy who... <laughs> he actually hit better almost across the board. There's a little drop in the power, but uh, slightly higher average. And then the on-base percentage was pushing 400 in double A. 
Yeah, so I mean, this is a guy that that is is very much showing himself to be the real deal. I think he's going to keep getting chances, and I would not be surprised if he ends up outdoing a, a lot of the guys ranked ahead of him mm-hmm. on this list. It just gets not because of the demographic, unfairly in my view. Sam Hilliard, a uh, really interesting uh, athletic left-handed hitter, hit you know uh, twenty plus home runs, thirty plus stolen bases, uh, can play the outfield. There's a sense his swing's a little long, and it's going to get exposed uh, against upper-level pitching, particularly mm. facing lefties who are busting him in on the inner half. But there's some tools there and some performance that you have to like. There's a lefty named Browning Eusebio, who I think is really interesting. Mm-hmm. I saw him pitch for Asheville. Young guy, fastball with a ton of life on it, changeup that when it's right looks ridiculous. Uh, I think this is a guy that absolutely has a fastball changeup combination as a lefty mm-hmm. that he can ride to the big leagues whether you know that's bullpen or starter a lot of evaluators feel like it might be more bullpen mm-hmm. but he's got a lot of development left so the rockies are in a good place and, and by the way jonathan daza who won the california league uh batting title because rogers didn't have enough at bats <laughs> he's at the bottom of this list went out to the fall league hit really well a lot of evaluators do see him as a potential major leaguer, not a starter, but a guy who's a, a valuable fourth outfielder who gets on base, can play mm-hmm. all three spots for you. So so I will say the Rockies, just to kind of circle back, you know, Daza's in the 20s in the system. Yeah, still, a guy who had 341 this year. <laughs> so you still see, and I think that's probably a, a lower rank than, than he deserved, but you still see guys who say, yeah, there's a major mm-hmm. league path there. Um, and you, just... you talk about the major league path, and that kind of ties into what I was going to ask about next. Or, or who are some guys who you think could impact the big league club as soon as next year? There, you obviously have a good mix of, of guys and ETAs in this system, but I feel like Brendan Rodgers is really playing for a for a shot sooner than maybe you would have thought. He is a number three overall pick, so maybe you think that his uh, progression through the minors has accelerated a little bit. But is he close at all to breaking in the majors? He obviously has some... Some people ahead of him at his position. Maybe you want him to get a little more time in Double A. It's possible f- for him to see the majors by uh, by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. I don't think we'll see him earlier than that. You mentioned some of the, the the guys ahead of him, but the other thing with him is he's had a little bit of trouble staying healthy. Yeah. Played uh you know 110 games in Nashville, which is fine, but that's still 30 games missed. Mm-hmm. And this year he only played 89. So we want to see him stay healthy, get up to Double A, really perform there. We'll see Ryan McMahon. Uh, there's a sense he actually has a chance to go out and do what Trevor Story did and put up some insane numbers yeah. early. Actually, looking at Brendan Rodgers, just his, his BRF page, 110 games is his career high at this point in professional ball, so that is a good call. Um, uh, I, just his offensive outburst the first half of this year, I think, got everyone exciting, including myself. So And, and it's deserved, but I, I do think McMahon will be mm-hmm. on the big league roster a lot of the year. I think we'll see Yancy Almonte come up and, and pitch out at mm-hmm. bullpen at some point. You know, those the one other guy who's kind of interesting is Sam Howard, a okay. lefty who who finished just outside the top ten in this system. Again, nothing nothing sexy, nothing you know that makes you go wow. But a lot of evaluators liked him as kind of that lefty swingman spot starter type. A couple actually liked him even more than uh, you know Ryan Castellani. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a guy, you know, he's not really touch and feel. He actually has some stuff, but you know, pitch off his fastball well, competes. Mm-hmm. Chance, you know, chance to start, advanced left-hander, triple-A, performed. I think we'll see him. Again. Yeah, Sam Howard, a guy who threw 127 innings this year between double-A uh, and triple-A with a 3.32 ERA, so respectable numbers there in offensive environments for the most part. So. Albuquerque. I mean, not only offensive environments for the most part, the single mm-hmm. most offensive environment. He held his own. That's where that, you know, that ice in his veins competing comes in. 
look, they're in it. They're in an okay spot. You look at the Rockies' big mm-hmm. picture. You look at their big league roster with a lot of guys still 28 and younger uh, on both the pitching staff and the position player side. They they spent a lot of money uh, on their bullpen. They're gonna see about getting that fixed, but I do think they're in good shape. Again, this isn't the craziest system, but they mm-hmm. don't need. Eight, nine, ten guys to hit for them. They mm-hmm. only need. Yeah, they've got a pretty good core if they're already doing that. Right. If if just you know four or five of these guys end up hitting, mm-hmm. that's all they need. So I think they're in good shape. Well, I think you summed it up pretty well there, Kyle. Unless you have any final thoughts, I think we can wrap this one up. Uh, I guess I'll give you the last word. Anything else on the system you want to touch on? I think that's pretty much it. Now just uh, see how it all plays the big league level. I mean, the Rockies made the playoffs last year. I think they there's a really good shot. They're mm-hmm. uh, they're there to stay. Tough division, but uh, yeah, they definitely have some pieces there that are exciting. A lot of really good young players to to kind of bank on for the next few years, and hopefully a few more with this system. If you want all the details on the Rockies system, be sure to pick up a copy of the the Baseball America Prospect Handbook uh, for Kyle Glazer. I am Carlos Colazzo. Thank you guys for listening. <laughs>